Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. Well, good morning. I hope you had a great Christmas. I hope that it was a phenomenal time. I hope that you're able to get around some friends with some family. If you weren't able to do so in person, I hope you had a great time on either Zoom or Skype or FaceTime or whatever is your video conferencing choice that you prefer. There's so many options out there right now, and they're all so popular right now. It seems so commonplace that that you know, my grandparents who have been pretty non-technical their entire lives. My my grandmother like fluently speaks speaks Zoom now. Um, it's like its own language, but she's got it down pat. She's in her I think 80s, upper 80s maybe, um, and she still works and she's working remotely for the University of Florida. Like she's just like killing it, figuring out the technology. So if you're still behind and you feel like you can't catch up, there's still hope for you. I promise. If they can figure it out and they can do the Zoom and they can do all the things that they're doing, I promise there is hope for you as well. But I'm excited to speak. I'm thankful for the opportunity to speak. I got to be honest with you for a second. The plan as of about 36 hours ago was that I was not going to be standing on the stage speaking this morning. Um, Pastor Aaron, our family ministries pastor, he and his wife, Bethany, um, I got a text about 5 p.m. on Christmas day. So Friday night about 5 p.m. I got a text and said, hey, you might be speaking on Sunday morning. I'm like, well, that's a pretty big might. Like, I, I just, we're kind of up on the deadline. I kind of need to know if this is a you are or you aren't. And so um, Aaron, Pastor Aaron's wife, Bethany, is, was 36 or 34 weeks pregnant. And she was kind of already experiencing some things that would potentially lead towards having the birth of their baby early. And so they were getting in touch with their doctor. Well, about 8 p.m., that might change to a, hey, you're speaking on Sunday morning. She went into early delivery. Um, Mama's good. Baby's good. Baby was born at 3.03 yesterday morning, Saturday morning. If you don't follow Pastor Aaron on social media, I encourage you to. The baby's so cute. Baby Sophie has joined their family. Um, So just be in prayer for them as they are now experiencing what this looks like. She was born at 34 weeks, so she's going to spend a couple weeks there at the hospital as she continues to grow and to develop before they get to bring her home. But she's doing great. Mom's doing great. Dad's a little tired right now, but he'll suck it up and get over it, right? And so, but we're so excited for them. But I got the call about eight o'clock Friday night that 37 hours-ish later, I'd be speaking. And so I was like, all right, well, it's Christmas I'm not at home. I'm with family. I can't really figure out what I want to talk about right now. And so I was like, I'll get up early Saturday morning. So I got up yesterday morning early. I went downstairs. I sat on my couch. I opened my laptop, opened up a blank pages document. And I said, here we go. Let's figure out the direction that we're going on Sunday morning tomorrow, about 26 hours from now. I'll be taking the stage to speak. And I just said, God, like, this is one of those that it's just kind of on your shoulders. Like, I don't know what you want me to do. I don't know what you want me to say. And I just need you to just kind of guide my steps and direct my path. And, you know, I've got a sermon that I call the worst case scenario sermon. And there was, about a, there was a Sunday morning about four years ago that I was driving to church. And on the way to church, I had this moment of terror that I thought to myself, what would ever happen if Pastor Jeremy called me on a Sunday morning and said, I'm sick in bed. I can't be there. You've got to preach in about an hour. 
And I had that moment of terror about four years ago. Well, I wrote a sermon that week that I've never touched. I've never preached it because it's my worst case scenario. Apocalypse has happened. The world's coming to an end. No one else can preach. I got to take the stage in 30 minutes. I've got that sermon ready. Well, I'm not preaching that sermon today. I thought about it. I thought about pulling it out. I've got it on my phone at all times. So the pastor Jeremy and I are standing right there on a Sunday morning and something comes up and he has to walk out of the back of the room. I could open that note on my phone and we could rock and roll that Sunday morning. So I was like, well, I've got some time and I've, I've thought for about four or five months, if I preach the last Sunday of the year, there's some thoughts that I really would love to share that I place, feel like God's place on my heart. So I didn't pull out doomsday sermon. I've still got it for the worst case scenario Sunday morning. And today I've got a sermon that I've just titled Perspective. And I just want to kind of talk to you about our perspective on things this morning. You know, I hope that you had a great Christmas. I hope that you had a ton of fun with family and a ton of fun with friends and, and got some great gifts and had great memories with your kids and with your family. And you know, one of the great things that we did all month of December long was we partnered with the Cherokee Family Violence Center. And if you don't follow us on social media, I encourage you to do so. On Christmas Eve, we had someone drop off just this massive amount of packages for the Cherokee Family Violence Center. If you don't follow us on social media, go check that out at Generation Church. It's a really cool picture with all these big boxes sitting right by the front door of all this incredible stuff that people have donated here to us so we can get it to Cherokee Family Violence Center. And it's just been a great organization that we partner with. We're still partnering with them. And so we've got some of the um, tags at the information center. If you want to go pick some of those up so that you can continue to give, you can also just go to our Facebook page, Instagram to get the information on where to go to be able to donate to them. But it's an incredible organization that I'm so thankful for you that we were able to bless these families going into this Christmas season. So I hope you had a great Christmas, but thank you for being a part of changing Christmas for a whole bunch of families um, that were at that Cherokee. Family Violence Center. And we're going to get more things in over the next couple of weeks and just kind of going into the new year, continue to bless them. But 2020 is almost over. We've almost made it to the end. I got one woo. We got a couple of people that are excited about 2020 being over. And I'll be honest, 2020 in so many different perspectives has been hard. It's been an interesting year. It's been a, for sure, a unique year, whether it's been hard for you or it's been a great year for you. It has been unique for all of us. And it's almost over. Is anybody ready for this year to be over? I got a couple people that are ready for the calendar to turn to 2021. But let me ask you this. What do you need to do different so you aren't sitting here a year from now with the same excitement for the year to end as you are right now? 365 days from now, we're going to be a couple of days shy of 2021 being over. And when you're at that point, what are you going to be thinking about 2021? Are you going to be thinking, man, this has been an incredible year. I'm so glad I had this year. I don't want this year to end. Or are you going to be at the same place you are right now of I cannot wait for the new year to get started? I can't wait for 2022 to happen. Because if I can be really, really honest with you for a second, the same things I'm hearing this year, and rightfully so in so many situations, of I'm so ready for the calendar to change. I'm so ready for a new year because this year's been so awful. If I can be honest with this for you for a second, I've heard that most years. Most years, a lot of years, so many times I hear people when we get to this time of year, I cannot wait for the new year. 
I can't wait for what next year brings. I'm so glad that this year is behind us. Now, again, this year's been unique. It's got its own little twist on so many different fronts of our lives. But I've heard the same thing before. And so I want to look at a story in the Bible of the children of Israel when they're in the wilderness to really hopefully give us some perspective today on our own lives. There's four aspects that I want to look at today. The story we're going to pick up right as the children of Israel are going into the wilderness. If you're not familiar with it, they had been captive in Egypt for years and years and years and generations. They had been slaves in Egypt and they had been persecuted and they had to work hard and they had been beaten and they had been accused and all these horrific things. They had been living in this slavery mentality for so long. And Moses comes along and if you're not familiar with the story of Moses, he grows up in Pharaoh's house and then he has to run and flee and he meets the girl and marries the girl and works for the girl's dad. And then he has this moment where God speaks to him in a burning bush and God tells him to go back to Egypt and to tell Pharaoh to let his people go and to lead his people out of captivity. And he's like, I don't really want to do that. And God's like, you don't really have a choice. I'm talking to you in a burning bush and you're going to go because this is cool. And so God sends him and he goes and he tells Pharaoh. And if you know the story again, you know that all these different things, Pharaoh's like, no. And something bad happens. And he's like, goes back and Pharaoh's like, still no. And so that happens and all this. And we finally get to a place where Pharaoh says, I fine, I'm going to let God's people go. And so they leave and they're going out and they're not far at, they far at all. They get to the Red Sea. And this is where we get to the very first perspective from the children of Israel. And the first one is it is easy to look backwards. In our lives, for the perspectives that we have, it is really easy for us to look backwards. Look at this in Exodus chapter 14. Verses 10 through 12, it says, As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. Pharaoh changed his mind, by the way. He got to a position where he was like, man, now this means we got to do all the work. Let's go after those people and try to bring them back. They cried out to the Lord, and then they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? Why, what have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Don't, didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Here's a group of people that for the first time in their entire lives have freedom. Now they're on the run and they're in the desert and it's a little chaotic but they get to make a choice for themselves for the first time in their entire life. Imagine what that would be like to be a slave your whole life in Egypt under the thumb of Pharaoh. And you finally get to leave and Pharaoh says, hey, get out of here. I don't want you anymore. Now, obviously he changes his mind and he comes back. But here's this group of people. Now they're looking back and they're saying, it wasn't perfect where we were, and I had zero freedom, and I couldn't be my own person, and I couldn't be the own head of my household because I had a, a master, yet I want to go back to that. Because sometimes in our lives, it's a whole lot easier for us to want to live in our own misery than potentially go somewhere where it's unknown. And when we're sitting around the holiday table, there's so many times that it's a blast when you have family and grandparents and aunts and uncles and all the great things to be able to sit around and tell stories of, of the old days, right? That's, that's the term that you use, back in the old days. 
And it's a ton of fun. And I'm saying that I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. It's fun to do that. And it's good to do that. And to hear stories of when grandma and grandpa met and when they dated and all the crazy things that were happening with their lives in the 40s or the 50s or whenever that was. And, and to hear stories of when your parents were young and to sit around and to laugh about it. And, and to hear stories of how your aunts and uncles fought as they were kids. And you think about when you were kids and how you fought with your siblings. Like it's a lot of fun to do those things at the holidays. And I'm not saying don't do that, but here's where we get in trouble. We get in trouble when we sit around and constantly just wish it was like it used to be. Man, I, I can't wait until it goes back to what it used to be. I can't wait. I remember when. I, I remember when we used to be able to do this, and I'm, I'm ready to do that again. And we can find ourselves constantly living in the past. We can find ourselves constantly wishing that it was like it used to be. And wanting it to be this way. And you know, the phrase I hear so many times right now, when it's no different any other year, just the verbiage is different right now. I can't wait till it goes back to the way it was pre-COVID. But what if it doesn't go back? What if the world, and I'm not saying, I'm not trying to, you know, scare anybody. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm standing here with my hand on the Bible saying this is the way it's going to be. What if it doesn't look the same? How do we get to a place where we don't constantly live, look, live looking in the rearview mirror, wishing we could go back to 2019, right? I remember at this time last year, everybody was so excited for 2020. This is going to be the best year yet. 2020, clarity, vision, right? Like it's going to be awesome. And it was awesome for about 65, 70 days till COVID started sneaking in, right? It was incredible in January and February and the first couple weeks of March, and now we're sitting here and I can't wait until it goes back to what it was. And my challenge for us is that if I, my prayer for us is that we can all get perspective and we can all get clarity of mind. And my prayer would be that we would stop looking backwards and we would start looking forward and we would start figuring out what does life look like? What does it look like for me to be happy again? What does it look like for me to have fun again? What does it look like for me to get on Facebook and to not just blast somebody else, but to post fun things and friendly things and kind things? What does it look like for us to stop looking backwards? For the children of Israel, it was so easy for them to just look backwards. And it was miserable back there and they weren't as happy back there, but it was safe back there. And they were comfortable back there and they knew what it was like back there. That's the first perspective from the children of Israel. The second perspective from the children of Israel is we often don't appreciate the little things. We often don't appreciate the little things. If we look at Numbers chapter 11, we're going to read verse 5 and 6 and then skip ahead to verse 10 and 11. This is what it says. It says, we remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. And we had all the cucumber, melons, and leeks, and onions, and garlic we wanted. But now our appetites are gone. All we ever see is this manna. Skip ahead to verse 10. It says, Moses heard all the families standing in the doorway of their tents, whining, and the Lord became extremely angry. Moses was also very aggravated. And Moses said to the Lord, this is hilarious to me, why are you treating me, your servant, so harshly? Have mercy on me. What did I do to deserve the burden of all of these people? So the people of Israel they get down there again. You have the Red Sea moment where the Egyptians are chasing after them, and Moses, with the power of God, parts the Red Sea and they cross on dry ground. 
And then the Red Sea crashes in on top of Pharaoh and all his men, and they're free. They've escaped it. And then through the miracle of God, every single day, he provides them food through manna that comes from heaven. And they wake up and there it is just right outside their tent door and they can take it in and they can eat it that day. And then the next morning they wake up and boom. I mean, it's like room service at a hotel, right? Like you just wake up and there is food sitting right at your door. That's glorious. Now they started getting sick of the food because it was the same food every day, which I get. It could get old eating the same thing every single day, but it's still food that God is providing to you to meet your needs every single day. And here's this group of people that begin to complain about this about this food that they get every day, that God's providing this provision every day, and they start to complain about it. And I think if we, if we lose perspective on the, the big scheme and the big grand scheme of things, we can do the same thing sometimes. Sometimes in our lives, we don't appreciate the little things. If we do look back, which I'm condescending myself from what I said the last point, but if we do look backwards and we go back to March of this year, I remember what it was like when the world shut down, Right? I mean, we all, it's going to kind of turn into that where were you when type moment. Like, I still remember where I was on 9-11 when it took place. Like, I think at some point in our lives, 10, 15 years from now, we're going to also tell the story of I remember where I was and what I was doing when the world shut down in 2020, right? And I remember what I was doing. I remember where I was. I remember what it was like those first couple of days where you don't leave your house, And it was weird and it was eerie and you can't find toilet paper anywhere. And so you're panicking because you need toilet paper because everybody's home all day. And you're like, how in the world do we use this much toilet paper? And why in the world is all of it gone? Where did it go? And so like, there's this moment where it's like weird and, and you don't know what's going on. And then you get into it like a week and you start to try to find a little bit of a rhythm And then another week goes by another, and then you're into April. And I remember like we started trying to find this rhythm of Lauren was teaching from home and doing the virtual stuff and trying to connect to the kids. And I was trying to work from home and we're trying to figure out how in the world do you stream a church service? Because we'd never done it before. And how do we get better at it? Because if you go back and watch, our first couple of services were terrible. We were not good at streaming at all. And so it's like, how do we get better at this? And how do we not get COVID? And is, is it, what's it going to do if you do get it? Because nobody knew anything in those early days. And so it was all this different thing. But I remember what it was like a couple weeks before COVID. And when you'd ask somebody, how you doing? The one response I'd always get, man, we're so busy. Man, we're so busy right now. We're going a million different directions and we got all these ball games to get to and we got all these places we got to go and we never have time to be at home as a family. We're so busy. And then we got this moment where the world kind of pressed pause and you got to sit at home as a family and do dinner together at the table, right? Like you actually had to move all the stuff off the table because you used it for the first time since like Christmas dinner. And you're like, what is this like? Like we're together and I don't know what this is. What are we supposed to do right now? And you started playing games together as a family. And you started watching TV together as a family. And you started playing cards together as a family and doing puzzles together as a family and figuring out ways to keep your kids entertained because you couldn't just take them to school and then take them to a ball field and then take them to a friend's house and then take them to this and take them to that. And I think for some of us, and I'm not trying to minimalize the effect that COVID has had on so many families. And I know so many people that have been hurt and so many people that have been sick and so many people that have had a loved one that have passed away. 
So many people that have been affected financially because they've lost a job or whatever it might be. And I'm not trying to minimalize any of that. But I do think that for some of us, we've lost the perspective of appreciating the little things. That there were moments that we got to cherish time with loved ones, to spend undivided attention with our families, with our kids, with our parents, because there's nothing else to do. And that conversation shifted from three weeks before COVID, how's it going? Man, we're so busy. And then three weeks into COVID, how's it going? My kids are driving me crazy. I'm so ready to get out of the house. I can't stand being stuck at home all day. And I think for some of us, we may have lost the perspective of that really unique time together. But you may never get something like that again. It's the perspective. It's the perspective. It's, it's how do you look at things? Are you going to look at it as the glass half full or the glass half empty, right? Am I going to try to find the positive in this or am I just going to be negative Ned about everything? If your name's Ned, I apologize. Are you going to be negative or are you going to be positive? The children of Israel, every day, God provided them food. It's a miracle. And every day they woke up and chose that day. I'm going to be negative about it. I'm tired of eating this, God. Like, what do you want him to do? Not feed you? Like, it's food. Eat it. For us, sometimes we can wake up and we can stop appreciating the little things. My challenge to us is to appreciate the little things. The third perspective from the children of Israel is we can be critical of leadership. Look at this in Exodus verses one through two. It says, then the whole community of Israel, the whole community set out from Elam and journeyed into the wilderness of Sin between Elam and Mount Sinai. They arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. There too, the whole community of Israel, the whole community complained about Moses and about Aaron. It would have been terrible to be Moses. For 40 years, you're the leader. Um, ultimately, we know Moses doesn't even get to go into the promised land. That's a whole nother sermon for a whole nother day. But Moses is leading this group of people around and they're just complaining about him the whole time. He goes up onto the mountain to spend time with God, comes back down. They've created idols to start worshiping false gods. Like they're a mess. And it's Moses' responsibility to try to keep up with this disaster of a group of people that are just complaining, let us go back, let us be slaves. Why'd you bring us out here for us to die in the wilderness? Well, we don't have the food we want. We've got this food from God, but we don't have the food that I actually want to eat, right? Like they are a disaster. And Moses is sitting here and he's frustrated a little bit at God. The God, why'd you put me in charge of this disaster of a group of people that would rather be slaves and be beaten and have to work all day for Pharaoh than at least have their freedom? I can't feed them what they want. You're feeding them like they're a disaster. And they got so critical of leadership. And over the last year, and I may step on some toes here, and if I do, I'm not sorry. Over the last year, we've gotten really, really, really critical of leadership. Some justified, some not so justified. But I remember back in like March, April, May, as teachers were trying to figure out how to now teach your child remotely and virtually, people were blasting teachers. 
Like, you're not doing this well enough. You're not doing this. My teacher's asking too much of my kid, or my teacher's not asking enough of my kid, or my teacher's not communicating in this area, or they're, they're over-communicating in this area, or they're not available when I need them to be available, or they want my kid online too much, or this or that, or anybody hear any of these things, right? Like, we were, we were frustrated at the teacher. And the poor little teacher's just sitting there trying to figure out how to do everything that she was never trained to do. And it wasn't the teacher, it was the school, right? My child's school is the worst front office in any school in America. The principal's crazy, the vice principal's crazy, the admin doesn't know what they're doing, and they're trying to do this, and now they're trying to do that, and they're, they're telling my kid they got to go home. I get one of those letters every day that they've come in close contact, like it's ridiculous, Right? Or maybe it's the county. The county school doesn't know what they're doing and they're trying to do this and now they're telling my kid they can't go to school for two weeks and I got to try to figure out what to do with them for two weeks. Maybe it's local government. I got to wear a mask here. I don't have to wear a mask here, right? Like we've had these conversations. You know where I'm going with this and there's national government. If I can get personal for a second, it's the church. Like the church shut down, the church isn't shut down. Got to wear a mask, don't have to wear a mask. We have spent a year perfecting our criticism. And it's exhausting. And I'm tired of it. And I'm tired of reading about it. And I'm, I'm just, some of it's justified. Don't get me wrong. There is a time and there is a place to openly tell the criticism that we have to get things better. If nobody ever criticized anything, nothing would ever get better, right? Like it's iron sharpening iron. There's got to be some friction there to get the systems better. But man, we have gotten so critical. I think one of the most dangerous statements that we can make is the statement, if I was in charge, if I was in charge, this is what we'd do. If I was in charge, this is what we'd do. But can we just take a second? Or can I just take a second? And I, can I just thank teachers? And can I just thank school admin? And can I just thank local government and national government and church leaders all across America? Like, just thank you for trying to figure it out. Small business leaders, you're rock stars. Big business leaders, you're rock stars. If you lead two or three people on a team, or if you're a CEO of a Fortune 500 organization, like, thank you for trying to figure it out this year. You haven't gotten every decision right, and you probably know you haven't gotten every decision right. I know here at the church, we haven't gotten every decision right, but we've tried with the limited information that's available so many times this year. So many people had to make massive decisions that affected tens, if not thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of people. And I just want to say to anybody watching, to anybody sitting in this room, thank you for trying. But man, we've gotten critical of leadership. And when I was reading through and studying the children of Israel, they spent 40 years complaining about their leader. And I think their leader was trying with the best information that they had to do what they thought was best. And so maybe this next week, you walk up to your boss and you just say, hey, I've been really frustrated with you for about nine months now. Thanks for trying. You haven't gotten it all right. There's things that you've aggravated me about this year. But thanks with the, the knowledge that you have and the, the way that you make decisions that you make them, thanks for trying. Maybe you write your child's letter or your, teacher, your child's teacher a letter to start the new semester. Hey, thanks for really trying to keep your classroom open this year. 
They're trying to social distance. My wife teaches second grade. It's impossible to keep 16 second graders social distance all day long. Like that to me is like the worst possible scenario to throw me into. A room of 16 second graders all day, every day. It kind of gives me the cold sweats. But think about, like, just write your kid's teacher a letter. Hey, thanks for trying this past semester. I'm going to be, I'm going to try a little harder to be.
you know what you're going to do? You're going to do what you do every other day of, of the year. You put your pants on one leg at a time, right? You're going to walk downstairs and you eat a little breakfast. You can go to social media and it's going to be the same complaining about the same stuff. You're going to turn the TV on, watch the news. It's going to be the same complaining about the same stuff and the politics and who's going to be president. And the president's mad about this and this person's mad at the president and the COVID and how many cases are there and what's shutting down and what's not shutting down and you know, the racial tension and who's mad at who right now and what city has what riot right now. And we're going, man, I thought it was supposed to be different. It's a new year. Well, I guess we'll wait on next year, right? What if you change your perspective? What if you didn't wait until January 1 and you just said, you know what, today, or you know what, you've already messed up today. What if you just say tomorrow? I'm going to change my perspective starting tomorrow. Then I'm going to be a little less critical. I'm going, to, I'm going to stop just trying to live in the past and waiting for it to go back to normal, whatever that looks like for you. And you know what? I'm going to just start working on a new normal. If I got to wear a mask going into Walmart for the rest of my life, then I'm just going to wear a mask going into Walmart. And if I got to do this, then I got to do that. And if work looks like this, and I got to get a temperature scan to go in here. At what point do we just stop saying, I want to go back there. And when do we start saying, God, where do you want to take me? God, where do you want to lead me? God, in 2021, what do you want to do in my family? But if we're sitting there just being so critical of everyone, including God, if we're honest, and we're just looking in the rearview mirror, and we're just waiting on somebody else to fix our problems or whatever it might be, and we just don't appreciate the little things, God can't move us forward. We can get ourselves so stuck in the mud of looking backwards and being critical and being depressing and being whatever it is you want to call it. And my prayer for us today is that we can change our perspective. And my hope for you, and we say it all the time, my hope for you is that 2021 really is the best year of your life yet. Because I want 2022 to replace it as the best year of your life yet. I really do want that. But I think in order for that to happen, some of that's on us. In order for it to be the best year yet, it means we gotta really appreciate the little things. It means we gotta stop spending some time just being critical and just enjoy the moment. And it means we gotta stop trying to live like it used to be back in the good old days and say, you know what? Tomorrow's gonna be the next best day. Today, I'm going to just enjoy it as much as I can. And I'm not going to take my eye off of the promises of God. Going into 2021, what are you going to do to make it your best year yet? What are you going to do to start striving to make the current year the best year of your life? With every head bowed, with every eye closed. First and foremost, the best decision you could do today to make 2020 the best year of your life and to make today the best day of your life would be to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord.
and your Savior, to enter into a relationship with your heavenly Father that loves you so much that he sent his son, his one and only son, to die for you. And so today, if you would say, hey, I want to enter into that, I want to have that eternal relationship with God, I just want you to lift your hand today. You can put it right back down. If you're watching online today, we'd love for you to just put that in the comments that today I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. And it says when even one person makes that decision, all of heaven celebrates. Second thing that I just want to pray with you about today and that I want to be in prayer for you over the next week or so over your life is that today, if you just say, you know what, I need to change my perspective on some things. Maybe you have been living a little in the past or maybe you have been a little frustrated with leadership, or maybe you have not appreciated the little things, or maybe you've just kind of given up on the the future of what God has in store for your life. But you just say, in some way, I just want to change my perspective going into 2021. If that's you, I just want you to lift your hand. Several hands. Let's pray together. God, we love you. God, I thank you for who you are. God, I pray first and foremost for those of Uh, them in the room that say today is the day that I do want to enter into a relationship with Jesus. God, whether in the room or they're online, God, I pray that you would just touch their life. God, that that they would admit that they are a sinner in need of a savior and that God, you would immediately come into their heart and be the Lord and savior of their life. And God, it's the greatest relationship that they can ever enter into. And the second thing, God, I just pray for everyone, myself included, that God, we would change our perspective on some things that God, we would try to keep your perspective and what you would have for us first and foremost. And God, we wouldn't spend all of our time looking in the rearview mirror and we wouldn't, we wouldn't not stop and appreciate the little things and we wouldn't be critical of everything. And God, that we wouldn't take our eyes off of your vision for our future. God, I pray that you just be with each and every one of us today, God. God, I pray for Pastor Aaron and for Bethany and for Sophie and God, their oldest, Bella. God, that you just touch the white family today. God, heal mom, let baby Sophie get stronger and healthier and to eat good and to continue to grow so they can bring that sweet little baby home, God. God, I thank you for every person that calls Generations Church home. God, I pray that you just bless them. And God, I really do pray and believe that for the families of our church and for our community, that 2021 can be the best year yet. God, we love you. And God, we thank you in your name I pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day and God bless.